Good afternoon. Uh, it gives me great pleasure on behalf of JP Morgan and the Gordon Institute of Business Science Gibbs to welcome you in this LinkedIn Live session on a topic that is particularly close to my heart and a topic that I think is fundamentally important for all of us uh, in this global community that we live in and in this continent of Africa. I'm sure you'll agree with me that the last eight to 10 weeks have been particularly disruptive in every facet of our society. Everything from the health consequences of COVID-19 to more, the more deeper economic impact uh, of what this COVID-19 pandemic has meant for all of us in society. One of the biggest factors has been the dramatic and deep impact of a lockdown in many societies around the world uh, on small businesses. And so the session and the series over 10 parts that we will run uh, on behalf of JP Morgan and Gibbs uh, Entrepreneurship Development Academy uh, is really an opportunity for us uh, to contribute to how businesses can respond to the economic and business impact of COVID-19 uh, on themselves and also on their broader ecosystem. Uh, this is the first part of a 10-part series that we'll host every week, uh, every Wednesday from 1 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. With, uh, with the opportunity for us to really engage and interact with you. With every session, I'll invite a colleague, a member of faculty, or somebody from the business community to engage with us by providing some formal input uh, and post that formal input also an opportunity for you to engage and interact with us. I'm going to invite you to be able to put some comments on LinkedIn, uh, to use all of our social media platforms. I will, uh, throughout the session, connect with you via LinkedIn Live. I'll share all of the questions that you have with the panelists that we have with us. And so it really is an opportunity for you to step into our space so that we can walk this journey with you. This series is really uh, a small business survival toolkit. And it's an opportunity for us as a business school and a community to be able to assist businesses in a variety of disciplines. I've often said that small businesses are the heartbeats of every economy, whether it's in Germany or India, the United States of America, Nigeria, Kenya, or South Africa, or any country in the world. Small businesses serve as the lifeblood of our society. And we at the Enterpr Entrepreneurship Development Academy at Gibbs and also JP Morgan have come together really with the objective of seeing how we can add value, how we can contribute, and how we can assist, assist small businesses in a tough and very painful period. Having said that, I'm going to start with this premise that I think it's important for all of us as small business leaders to think about the now, which is really the next three to six months, but then also very importantly to think about the next. Where is the future of our businesses? And how do we take some proactive steps in the now to be able to position us for the next? And so it gives me great pleasure in this first part to invite uh, Dr. Keith Fairhurst, who's a professional associate here at Gibbs, to share some of his uh, inputs and perspectives in terms of the role of small businesses in terms of this ability to adapt to this changing context. Dr. Keith Fairhurst is a professional associate here at Gibbs. He also has a company that specializes in the area of turnarounds. He's been doing extensive work in this space for a number of years. Uh, one, he has a PhD which specializes specifically in terms of turnaround strategies and corporate governance. He teaches here at the business school in this area uh, of turnarounds and leadership from a turnaround perspective. 
But very importantly, in the last few weeks, and even previous to that, he's worked with a number of companies in terms of assisting them from a turnaround perspective. And I was having a chat with Keith a bit earlier today. And one of the things he mentioned to me was that there's a lot of similarity between what he finds with businesses in the current context to turnarounds in terms of financial distress. And so it's a real pleasure to have you with us, Keith, today and to get some of your inputs. As I said, Keith will provide some substantive input, after which I will open a discussion based on your inputs uh, for us to be able to bring you into the conversation. So without much further ado, Keith, I'll hand over to you. Thank you. Thanks, Abdullah. And uh, thank you, everybody who's uh, watching us today. Uh, certainly, this topic is very close to my heart. I um, have worked for many, many years in privately owned uh, business space and have seen how businesses uh, thrive, but I've also seen how they struggle. And uh, with that in mind, I've spent probably the last 10 years of my career, both uh, professionally and academically, exploring the space of turning around businesses and what makes the difference to those that are successful and what makes the difference to those that are perhaps not successful. And this led uh, to us uh, in our business putting together some thoughts around how do you reboot your business after COVID-19? So COVID-19 is no doubt a, a big shock to the world. And it's a shock to big companies and small companies and medium-sized businesses. We're going to focus a little bit today on what we've seen in privately owned companies. Some of, them, uh, some of the input here I got from uh, small businesses, some from medium-sized businesses, and some from reasonably large but privately owned, so not listed entities. And we felt that this was... Um, a useful uh, bit of information to share because we compared it to what we've seen in turnarounds and financial distress prior to COVID-19 and we saw many similarities. So we thought we could learn from that and share it. So if we move just to our contents, we'll have a look at, I'm just going to provide you with some context first. And what we did is when lockdown first started, which was on the 27th of March, if I remember correctly, um, we asked three questions um, of, of, of business leaders and of companies that we work with. <clears throat> we asked those in week one and two, and we got a certain set of answers, and then we continued to ask them in weeks three and four, and we got another set of answers. I'm going to share that with you. We'll then move on to a, a portion of uh, this afternoon where we'll have a look at what did we learn from that, and then we'll have a look at uh, uh, how uh, you can put that to good use. So moving on to the questions that we asked, on the 27th of March, the first question we asked leaders and business managers and owners was, what is occupying your attention at present? What are you thinking about? The second question we asked was, what is the biggest challenge that you might face in your business? now that lockdown has started. And the third question is, what obstacles do you think you will have to overcome in order to meet that challenge? And the answers, if we move on, we got in week one and two were almost unanimous. I cannot think of one manager, leader, business owner who responded differently. They responded as follows, our people. The first thing they were worried about was their people. 
how can we care for them? How can we keep them healthy? How long can we afford to pay them for? And what is possible and what is legal? Were questions on almost every person's mind in week one and two. The second answer was, how can we trade if we're closed? We can't do business. And the third one was, the obstacle was, how do we find ways to generate revenue? So those were the answers we got in week one and two. We asked those questions again. We moved on to week three and four. And the interesting thing was the answer to question one changed. Leaders, managers, owners of businesses started to say, how long can we survive? That was on their mind. We don't know how long we will survive. The second answer was, how can we trade if we close? That didn't change. And the third answer was um, finding ways to change and generate revenue, uh, to trade and generate revenue was the answer to question three. So after that round of discussions that we had with many, many leaders and business managers and owners, we started to say, so what does this mean? And we started finding similarities in what we were observing over and above these three answers, these three questions with what we'd seen in business rescue and turnaround over the last 10 to 15 years. So let's make sense of what we heard. And what making sense of what we heard is we concluded that there are three categories of organizations and they can be classified in pre-COVID and post-COVID. Now, I'll give you what we saw. So, we felt that almost any business can be put into one of these categories. And the first one we called a broken record. Pre-COVID, what did a broken record look like? Well, for those of you that are old enough to remember vinyl playing, long playing records, um, a broken record in its sleeve didn't look broken. To the outside world, it appeared okay. Only inside the sleeve knew how broken it was. So, and the, so from a business point of view, the distress was only visible to the insiders. Only people inside the organization knew that there was problems, but to the outside world, it might have looked okay. The second category is what we call a balancing act. These are companies that needed things to go their way for, in order for them to survive and, and, and uh, continue to go forward. Often stumbled from month to month, payroll to payroll, month end to month end, quarter end to quarter end, um, uh, varying levels of debt, having to borrow to fund the operation, managing to satisfy some of the lending, but then having to borrow again. So never really being on a trajectory that looked like um, it was going somewhere uh, exceptional. Generally, average or below average returns. That was what, that's what we, we would conclude. And then the third category was fundamentally healthy businesses. These are businesses that are well-managed, well-controlled, good cash flow management, good budgeting, good strategy, and they're profitable. Um, and they give above average returns and but for COVID-19, they would have been continuing perfectly well. So let's have a look at post-COVID. So once COVID kicked in and locked down, the broken record becomes visible. It comes out of its sleeve and regrettably, there are many that cannot be put back together. It actually doesn't matter how much glue and sellotape and, and press stick you might use, that record won't play. 
it is unfortunately damaged. And undoubtedly, there will be some of those companies that we see in the next while. The Balancing Act, we say that maybe COVID-19 was a blessing for some of them because it shocked them into dealing with things that were long overdue. So it's a rude awakening. The reality is, though, they have to achieve stability or they fail. They either have to be able to put the business onto a stable footing or the business will continue to flounder and may not survive. Of course, the fundamentally healthy business might have some reserves that allows them to continue for a while, but we feel that this is a case-by-case basis and we feel that depending on what new normal looks like, some of these businesses' models, business models that they have relied on, may no longer be valid. We don't know that yet. And I defy people who think they can predict it to um, be bold enough to bet on it. So I think that's, a, that, that's the jury is still out. It's a lot of work to be done there. Um, so to summarize that last point, it's a case-by-case assessment and will the business model still exist in the new normal? That's the question. So if we move on, And we say, how do you now, you're a business owner, a manager, a leader uh, of a privately owned company, how do you deal with this reboot? Well, what we've observed is that people struggle to think about their business in a way which made some sense because they were used to thinking about their business in a particular manner and now those rules no longer apply. The world has been thrown into turmoil Uncertainty is grown. The, 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 the horizon we can see is, and to start with was only three weeks, was the period of lockdown, got extended. I think we're sitting in about week 10 or 11 now. And, uh, you know, revenue has dried up. In some businesses, revenue went from uh, X to 40% of X overnight. Um, an interesting one, though, is uh, last week I was speaking to a professional musician who's an international artist played um, in, in, on global stages as a performer. His revenue went from whatever it was, and I don't know what his revenue was, to zero. He went overnight from earning very good money to zero. How do you deal with that? That's a big challenge. So with some of those experiences and other businesses where the revenue probably went to 80% um, and some maybe even retained close to 100% for some time, we said, well, how do you cope with this? That led us to develop um, what we call the reboot matrix. And we looked at four categories here against two scales. The vertical scale represents a near-term horizon. The near-term horizon is what you can see with some level of clarity. To start with, it was three weeks. It was the end of lockdown. I guess as I sit here today with Abdullah, that near-term horizon is probably Monday, the 1st of June, because that's when we go to level three in South Africa and new regulations, which have not yet been formally announced because it's been delayed, will become clear. So we will then have some clarity around that. So the near-term horizon gives us a certain level of clarity and a lesser degree of uncertainty. Once we go beyond that, the uncertainty grows. Well, once we're beyond the horizon, and I ask people to think of being on a ship or a yacht at sea, 
You can only see as far as the horizon. Between you and the horizon, you can see things. What's beyond the horizon, you can't see. In the, in the past, we would rely on business models, uh, historical experience, et cetera, et cetera. In a boat, you would have a GPS or a map. Sadly, those may not exist now. So we're saying that beyond the near-term horizon, the level of uncertainty grows significantly. So let's start with block one, which is the top left-hand corner, which we categorize as individual people focus and um, a little bit of certainty. And we've said, and we, we learned this from, uh, from um, what we've seen in turnarounds, financial distress and business rescue, is that the leaders and the people involved need to cope. So let's move on to these practical tips. So we'll, we'll focus in now <clears throat> on the coping quadrant. And I've seen it time and time again, this topic called resilience. So the leaders that come out of this well or better are those that, first of all, face the reality. They, they say, okay, this is the reality, I've got it. They do not live in a denial state. They do not ignore it, they face it. The second thing they do is they get creative. They become inventive. And prior to us starting today, I was telling Abdullah about a, a client of mine where I sit on the board who I'm so proud of. They, in week one of lockdown, immediately worked out where they could save costs in week one. They, exceptionally, they did exceptionally well. And that, they got really creative about it. They started working from home, they cut costs, they put in place technology, and they were ahead of the curve. They, would, they did incredibly well. But the, which is the third point, they never lost sight of their purpose. Their purpose for existence was to serve a certain market segments in a certain say. They never lost sight of that. They continued to talk to their customers. So I think the coping mechanism that you can take away to think about is one, face reality. Whatever that reality is, however untenable and unpleasant it may be, face it. The second thing is get creative. Ask yourself, what can you do? How can we make a difference? What can we do differently? And ask people around you for suggestions. And then the third thing is never lose sight of a bigger purpose. Whatever that purpose is in your business, Keep that at the center and retain that integrity because that will stand you in good stead. So that's the coping uh, quadrant. But then we move on to what arguably may be the most important uh, thing to think about in the short, short term. And that's what we call a financial survival plan. I like to call it, how long is your runway? Because like an aeroplane trying to get airborne, you need a certain length of runway before that aeroplane will fly. It's the same your business. So what do we do there? Well, I'd like to read to you something. And this is just um, a wonderful little uh, anecdote. The CEO of a bankrupt business was once asked, how did you go bankrupt? Well, he replied slowly and with a cautious note in his voice. Slowly at first, and then very, very quickly. Now, I tell you, we see that time and again with distressed businesses. It, it, it's not um, 
off the cliff until it's off the cliff, but it happens very quickly. And that's adapted from a dialogue in the novel by Ernest Hemingway. Now, in the case of COVID-19, the same could be said. How were you affected by corona? And the answer might be, well, slowly at first, then very, very quickly. In either case, time is not your friend. So take action now. Start working out how long your runway is. Practically, what do you do? You reduce costs. You explore every avenue for revenue that you can, and you turn unproductive assets into cash. So if you've got assets lying around that are not generating value for you, see if you can turn them into cash. Sell them. You know, give them to somebody else who can turn them into cash. Um, those are the three simple things, but do it quickly. Um, there is a lot of talk about funding and distress funding and uh, you know, borrowing money, but you must remember that you underwrite your liquidity with your solvency. So you're going to have to have some security. If you do not have reserves, it's difficult to borrow money um, uh, to, to see you through this period. And if you do borrow money, the person or the organization institute that is lending it to you wants to know they're lending it to an organization or that their, their loan is in good hands. So we we'll want to know what is your turnaround plan? Going to ask, how have you reduced costs? What revenue streams are you looking at? How are you turning unproductive assets into cash? So we ask all our clients um, three things on day one who, when, when we are asked to help them with distress. The first thing is show us your budget. So go and do a budget. Second thing is, show us your cash flow. So go and do a cash flow. We talk, some of our clients at the moment are doing daily cash flow analysis. And the third thing is we look at profitability. So you may be tempted to take on a contract or to sell something or to take some work on that is not that profitable because you think the cash will do you good. I urge you to be very careful about that. Because if you do not make profit out of the work you take on, you may just be digging the hole deeper or you may be accelerating the difficulty. So three things, do a budget, do a cash flow and check the profitability of every single trade that you do. Quick one minute uh, lengthen your runway uh, tips. Okay, then we move on. And we start saying, okay, so let's look beyond the horizon. You've done this now. You've lengthened your runway and you've worked out you can survive 10 months, 8 months, 12 months, 6 months, whatever it might be. Now what do you do? Well, now you've got to say, well, let's look beyond the horizon. What that looks like at the moment is very unclear. So it's a question of now adopt a startup approach. And with the startup approach, you need to explore. So we encourage people to adopt a innovation and uh, um, a kind of creative approach. So things like design thinking, rapid prototyping, experimentation. I just summarize it and say, be curious and be agile. So ask lots of questions, talk to lots of people, but adopt a startup mode. You can, you've got to, you've got to, um, see if it's going to give you a return quickly. If it is going to give you a return, you must drive it very hard. If you conclude it's not going to give you a return, you must stop doing it. So you, there's no uh, room for sentiment here. You can't hang on to things because you like them.
Question is, do you have a market? Do you have customers? What's your differentiator? I just say, talk to customers. So one of uh, a business person I spoke to who runs a logistics business, a medium-sized business, got a number of warehouses, got like 20 or 30 trucks. His business stopped at the beginning of COVID. He did in week one all the things we've spoken about. In week two, he revisited them. In week three, he started talking to his customers. In week three, he also sent his customers a mail and said, when the economy opens up and you need to make use of my services, here are some suggestions on how you can reduce the costs of logistics. So he was already talking to customers. He was making suggestions to them. Well, he's starting to get some orders coming through. I spoke to him yesterday. He's got an order for today. He's got some order for Monday. And the... the, um, the economy opens up on Monday. So by being a bit proactive, talking to customers, he got some ideas. It'll be different from business to business, but talk to your customers. And then lastly, seek some independent input. So talk to a trusted person, not a person who has an interest in your business, preferably not your spouse, although don't not talk to them, but in addition to them, you need to talk to people that are independent, that will give you Honest input. And, um, you know, this is a drum that I beat. I say this is the value of having independent directors on your board is that they look after the business. So I encourage you to find some independent parties that you can talk to that will give you the honest. Talk to them. Let's move on now. And we say so repurposing for the future. You might have to reinvent your business model. you might have to define a new customer value proposition, revisit your profit formula, identify key business processes, take stock of resources. This is all going to change how the people in your business are being deployed. So you might have to reskill people. You might have to put in place different uh, business processes. I joke with um, uh, friends and colleagues and I say the biggest um, influencer on digitization in the economy was not the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, or the CIO. It was COVID-19 because you have now got people who were scared of technology suddenly embracing things like Zoom and LinkedIn and um, Teams because that's the way they communicate. So it's amazing what we can do when we have to. But The people in your business will no doubt have to cope in a different way. They'd have to do their jobs in a different way. And you as a leader or a business owner um, can support them by having conversations with them and your customers. You know, you might want to do a business strategy canvas, which will help you. There are many techniques that you can use, and I'm not suggesting that um, any particular one is a magic one, but I would encourage you to think about your business in a structured way using some of these techniques. So we've rushed on uh, very quickly through the model. And um, one of the questions I was asked is about what support is available to uh, SMEs, small and medium enterprises that um, are finding themselves in difficult places. And I've put together a list. I will just talk you through them and where you can look. Step, first thing you can do is talk to your bank. Whoever your banker is, 
whoever funds your business, they all have got a policy and approach to things like payment holidays. Talk to them. Um, they should not be your enemy right now. You should make them your friend. And one of the things you make them your friend is by being honest with them. However, it is probably going to require that you're in good standing with them and you're probably going to need a tax clearance certificate and things like that. So get your affairs in order and then talk to your bank. Second thing is talk to your suppliers and creditors. You're important to them. They want your business. So have an honest conversation with them. See if you can reach agreements on extended payment terms. But one of the things you must make sure you do is that if you reach an agreement, stick to it. If you say you're going to pay them in 60 days, please, I encourage you, pay them in 60 days because you want them to trust you. And if you don't meet your obligations, they may not trust you. So you want them on your side. Then there's other areas of support. Small Business Debt Relief Finance Scheme. It's administered by the Department of Small Business Development. I had a look at it again at the end of last week. They've stopped taking um, applications because they flooded. But you can have a look there. SARS, you just go onto the SARS website. There are tax relief measures. The Department of Employment and Labor, that's TERS, that's the URF fund for your support with your payroll. And then there are other schemes um, uh, aimed specifically at SMMEs, the Sukuma Relief Fund, administered by business partners. And then you have some other options. You can Google it and look at a MoneyWeb article. There's a long list. So these are all resources that you can draw on. They are going to have their own uh, terms and conditions, but you need to have a look at all of them. And each, not all of them will be applicable to all businesses. Abdullah, I think that's a quick race through this. I hope um, it's prompted some interesting questions. Yep. Um, Public Keith, uh, I mean, thanks. Thanks for a very practical, uh, very realistic uh, perspective in terms of you know how businesses actually reboot in this type of environment. And thank you for all of your questions, for your inputs, for your comments, Keith. We've got people who signed in from Tennessee, from East uh, Africa. Oh wow! Uh, we've got some great comments in terms of your runway, in terms of the survivability of business. But we've got some very important questions that I want to get to. Sure. Uh, Palesa asked a question in terms of. You know, she's in a new business and she's yes. just started operations. So she doesn't have, mm. uh, you know, historic uh, funds. She doesn't have right. the cash flow perhaps previously. Yes. How does somebody like that who's just started a business uh, survive this type of context and period that we're in? Well, yeah, um, I guess the, the, there's no easy answer to that. There's no easy answer. It's one day at a time. Right. It's, it's going to be about just checking how long your runway is. And if your runway is a week, unfortunately, that's what it is. I want to dispel a, a, probably a little bit of a misunderstanding that businesses that have been in business for a long time have a lot of reserves. I want to tell you that most of the ones we see don't have a lot of reserves. What they do have is they do have a track record. Yep. And the track record often is considered valuable because um, if they need to raise funding and privately owners may have assets that they can use to support the raising of capital. Um, but to assume that because a business has been around a long time, they have deep reserves is a misnomer. 
um, and is often not the case, especially when it comes to distress. So sadly, um, for for that uh, viewer, there isn't an easy answer. It's about just gritting it out, reducing costs as much as possible, manage your cash flow on a daily basis or an hourly basis if necessary. I don't know what kind of business it is, but um, on an hourly basis if necessary and just keep going every day, day to day, because that's the only way you'll get through the difficult so, initial period. So you mentioned the type of business and uh, Pfizer Barnes asked a question in terms of uh, that somebody who's in the service business who yes. might not necessarily have the assets to be able to generate revenue mm. or to sell off. What do you do when you are in a service-oriented business as opposed to an asset-based business? Good question. Because um, you, with, an asset, with a service-based business, you typically your net asset value is quite low yeah. and uh, you're spending the money you get on the services you provide. Um, I think the number one thing is you go and talk to your customers. You go and talk to your clients. I had a, um, one of the clients we're working with is in a service business. They have an element of assets um, because they, they provide a technology service. So they've got some assets, but not like plant and equipment and buildings and land, which you can use as like hardcore collateral for raising capital. So they have some assets. But what they did in week two and week three, they identified 100 target customers, target prospects, and they phoned 100 people. Said, this is our business. They didn't say, listen, this is what we want to do for you. They said, how are you coping with lockdown? What are you struggling with? Of that, they have now launched three new service lines. We're in week 10 They've learned, I got the uh, profile this morning from them. They've launched three new service lines. Not all of those people they spoke to um, uh, have come back and said, oh God, I want to make use of it. But there's probably 10 or 20 that are talking to them about crafting a solution for them. And it all started with, hey, this is who we are. Tell us how you're coping with this lockdown thing. What are you struggling with? What are you busy with? This is what we're busy with. This is how we're coping and having a conversation. And then from that conversation, they started to shape what they could do to support them. So for a service business, I would encourage um, those people who are in service business, go through, figuratively in the old days, we used to say, go through the yellow pages. I'm saying, go on to- Those uh, days are gone, Keith. Those days are gone. <laughs> I know that we go online, go and Google it and f- just make contact, reach out to people, start talking to them. That's what is this like rapid prototyping. Sure. Be curious and be agile. So be curious about what people are struggling with, what they, what they are um, trying to do, and then be agile enough with your own service offering to see if you can craft a solution for them. Lovely. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open one last question before I wrap this up. Uh, it's a question from Itai and also supported by Felicity. And the question for them is, how do we move from a crisis, which we're in at the moment, to really... Uh, a transition around holistic performance. Uh, wow, what a good question. Project. What yeah. a great question. Um, I, can st- I can steer you to two sets of resources and one of the, and it struck me. This is the academic term. It's called ambidextrous leadership. That's the, that's the academic term. What it means is that as a leader, in one hand, you have to manage the reality of today. 
which in the literature is called exploit the present. On the other hand, you've got to work with what might be coming that is unclear, and that's called explore the future. So I talk to clients about being schizophrenic because at 8.30, as a leader of a business, you might have to decide who you're paying that day, whether you're taking an order, can you produce something, can you sell it? And at nine o'clock, you have to say, okay, so what's going to happen in three weeks' time? So you have to flip between the two. And this is where I encourage leaders to try and surround themselves with a network of people who have their interest at heart so they can bounce ideas off them and they can like test their thinking because this thinking is untested. Yeah. Um, so on the one hand, exploit the present. On the other hand, explore the future. That's the way to get through this. Uh, it sounds simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. And to make it a little easier, reach out to people you trust that will give you honest input and you can test your ideas on. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Keith, for very valuable input. Thank you for all of your comments in terms of your appreciation and thanks for the session and for Keith for, for your very valued contribution. Uh, I don't want to stop the questions here. If you've got any further questions, please feel free to email smmehelp at gibbs.co.za and we'll be able to connect and interact with you. And in the opening, I said that this is a series that JP Morgan, together with Asset Gibbs and the Entrepreneurship Development Academy here, have put together as part of a 10-part series to be able to assist and work with more small businesses as we navigate through this difficult period. And I think that navigation is important in terms of what Keith spoke about, the current, the now, and really the navigation going into the future. And part of that is really for us to think about how do we get business to survive this period and perhaps in an alternative new environment, think about how do we proactively adapt to a new context. It's been a real pleasure to spend some time with you. We'll have these sessions every week, every Wednesday from 1.30 p.m. to 2 p.m. on LinkedIn Live. We'll also post all of these sessions on our YouTube channel. Uh, so please feel free to follow all of our social media channels on the Entrepreneurship Development Academy at Gibbs. Um, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Keith and also to thank uh, JP Morgan and the team here at Gibbs. And very importantly, to thank all of you. Uh, and I look forward to welcoming you in the session that we have next week, where we were going to be covering the issue of consumer behavior with Dr. Car with Karen Deshin, and she'll spend some time with us really thinking about how uh, consumer behavior has shifted as a result of COVID-19. I wish you well and, uh, and look forward to welcoming you again next week, Wednesday, 1.30. Thank you very much.